A very short 10-year ship there as the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks for Adrian Griffin, who was released of his duties today, despite having one of the league's very top records there in the NBA. Amber Wilson, Ian Fitzsimmons hanging out with you. Amber and Ian is presented by Progressive Insurance. Your small business keeps you on the go. Progressive Commercial Insurance keeps your policy within reach with our easy-to-use mobile app, Learn more at ProgressiveCommercial.com. This was shocking news today, Ian. I'm not sure anybody expected this one. No, I, I damn sure didn't. I'm driving down the road listening to Carlin versus Joe, and uh, <clears throat> Chris Carlin almost had a coronary um, for multiple reasons. But, I mean, it was like, uh, wait a minute, hold on a second. Uh, what just happened? 43 games in, 30-13, and 13, second best record in the East, and – Adrian Griffin is blown up. Now, remember, folks, Milwaukee punted on Mike Budenholzer, who won the chip not long ago, gets a first-round exit against your Miami Heat, Amber, last year, and they punt on Mike, and they bring in Adrian Griffin. Here he is, two-seed right now at 30-13, and and he's gone. And the first thing I could think of was, all right, one, he lost Giannis. The second thing was he lost Dame Lillard. The third thing was something's going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. But one of those three happened, and, and there's zero doubt in my mind because when you lose a superstar, ask Avery Johnson when he was the head coach of the Dallas Mavericks. He lost Dirk. And the moment you lose a generational superstar as a head coach, you're done. It's over. So the first thing that came to my mind, Amber, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on, on what came to yours, is that he either lost Dame or, more importantly, lost Giannis. And that yeah, I, that gets you run. I don't think it's Dame that's the key here, right? It would be Giannis. But I got to be honest with you. If 43 games, first of all, is that even enough time to lose the super spot, superstar? Great question. Second enough. Second enough. I, I mean, isn't it kind of on Giannis to deal with it a little bit? Like 43 games and they've already... You shouldn't really be in a position if you're one of the best players in the NBA, frankly, for somebody to lose you. Like, what does even losing Giannis at this point mean? That Giannis isn't playing well? That Giannis isn't going to put up efforts? I mean, what are we talking about here? That, 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 that there's something behind the scenes that they weren't seeing eye to eye on. But to your point, and you're spot on, Amber, like, like Avery and Dirk, that was the end of the year. Where, right. you know, the Mavs were a one seed. They lost to the Golden State Warriors, who were the last seed and Avery changed his lineup. He went small instead of staying with, you know, with Damp and the big lineup. And and he pushed, by the way, to have this overall number one top seed and the best record in the NBA. He pushed his guys hard to the end. That's what lost Dirk. You know, like grinding these guys at the end of the year when you didn't need to. That's when Dirk and Avery got crossed. So to your point, 43 games in, that's a very short sample size to lose a generational type player as a head coach. And I don't like it if it is, in fact, that, which I, I tend to maybe think that it's not because it seems strange to me that it would happen after only 43 games. But if it is, in fact, that, I don't also love it from the perspective, I understand that Giannis is one of the very best players in the entire NBA and your generational player. I get that. But you also don't want that dude to control the franchise to the extent of 43 games in, he walks into the owner's office and says, I don't like this guy, right? Get rid of him. Like, is that what we're talking about here? I don't like this dude. Typically, that could be a conversation you have after the season. That's fine. I could see that happening where you only get a one season run 
as a first-year head coach if you're not at all getting along with your superstar and if he's not going to endorse you at all. And maybe Giannis then at that point was to go to the owner and have these conversations. It just seems weird after 43 games that that decision would come now. And now they're looking for replacements. They're looking to Doc Rivers as a possible replacement. Let's hear what Woj said. Uh, Because, of course, we got this news from our very own Adrian Wojnowski, ESPN senior NBA writer. He was on NBA Today, and he said that the Bucs franchise is on the clock because the defense has suffered this season. You are always on the clock with players like Giannis Antetokounmpo, even when they sign an extension. And so I think, I don't think this was a Giannis decision. I think this was, Cheney mentioned the defense. This defense was not going to be the same defense if Mike Budenholzer was here, if Tom Thibodeau was here. They traded out Drew Holiday to bring in Damian Lillard. You are not going to guard the ball. You're not going to guard the perimeter in the same way that you do that you did when you had Drew Holiday spearheading that defense. But they have given up a lot of points. Uh, they've been a team that, Despite the record and winning, being on a streak, it hasn't, I think, to Milwaukee, felt right, looked right. And Amber, we, pull, we were texting, we were texting back and forth earlier, earlier today, right? When it comes to the defensive side of the ball, which Giannis has a lot of pride in, it wasn't going to be the same when you get rid of a Drew Holiday, one of the best perimeter defenders in the league, for Dame Lillard, who does not defend the perimeter. You knew this was going to happen. If you rewind the tape to when they traded, when they made those trades, we said defense is going to be a problem. The question mark here is defense. It ain't offense when you have Damian Lillard, right, on your team. But when you get rid of Drew Holiday and you bring in Damian Lillard, the problem is going to be defense on that team. And Holiday was the identity of that defense. There's only so much Giannis can do. They have slipped from fourth on defense last season to 22nd this year. They just gave up 135 and 113 points in back-to-back games to the Detroit Pistons. I understand defensively this is not a good Milwaukee team. What I don't understand is why anybody thought it was going to be. And I guess that's what I find more disturbing is that with the personnel that's on this team, you thought Adrian Griffin needed to do something miraculous to have them as one of the top defensive teams in the NBA. They're not constructed that way. I don't understand that. If that that is why, in fact, he got fired. Again, that's the number one thing that came to my mind is you lost – Giannis, but to your point, how do you lose him that quickly, right? How do you not? How are you not able, if that is in in fact the case, to be able to massage this thing like, all right, Giannis, what do you what what do you want? What do you need us to do differently? You know, you come up with something because we ain't got Drew Holiday, right? It's different. Did you lose Dame because Dame may be in Giannis's ear, or is there something else behind the scenes? And that last one is. Way, way, way behind the first two. Because the first thing that came to my mind is you lost a generational superstar. And, man, when that happens, you're done. Because they're going to keep the talent over the coach every single time. I just don't know what you losing Giannis would really even mean. I mean, we're talking about a player who averages 31 points per, per game and over 11 boards this season, over six assists, like he's 60%. It's out of control, Giannis' stats, because, of course, he's Giannis Antetokounmpo. So what does even losing him really mean? He sure as hell has been still playing his butt off this season long. The pro- 30 and 13. Right. I mean, you're, I don't you're know. second in the East. I don't – what else could you want Something right now? Something smell right. Something just – Other than – Yeah. The, I, the, what they need to do is they need to win a championship in Milwaukee. They need to produce in the postseason. We ain't 
there yet. Like no one. Well, they have. Well, and then right, you fired that with coach. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. fired that coach, right? He's gone. Now you have a new one. Forty-three games in. I, I'm telling you, he Amber, doesn't get the time, the opportunity to. That's what's weird. Something about it. doesn't smell right when you're thirty and thirteen. You know, defensively, you're not going to be the same team because Drew Holiday ain't there, and Dame Lillard is, and Dame Lillard can score and fill it up, but he's not defending on the wing like Drew Holiday is. You knew that. Giannis knew that. Dame knows that. Everyone from Milwaukee to L.A. knows that. So, look, I don't know what it is, but something does not smell right when it comes to this particular firing when you have a team that's 30 and 13 and a two-seed behind that juggernaut that's Boston. Maybe there's more to this story, and, and maybe it's not Giannis not liking Adrian Griffin or anything like that. Maybe there's more to the story. Maybe we're going to find out stuff because this is surprising. It's surprising about when it came. I'm yeah. not surprised that the expectations are so high in Milwaukee. You wouldn't get a ton of time there as a head coach, but 43 games and not even a shot here in the postseason. Frankly, that feels a little absurd. On ESPN Radio on Thursday night, Celtics at Heat. That game tips off 7 p.m. Eastern. My Heat, big trade today. I don't know. Big is overstated. But a lot of of Heat fans really happy Kyle Lowry is no longer on that team. Sixers at Nuggets. That game is Saturday. That is a 5 p.m. tip-off. Coming up next, if you're missing college football, we've got a fix for you. Mel Kuyper's back. It's never too early to start talking NFL draft, but here's the deal. Ian Fitzsimmons has changed his mind about what the Chicago Bears should do with that number one pick. We will get into that. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 2022 Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams, seventh. There's only one guy that can throw the ball like him, Mahomes. How did Caleb Williams do that? Unbelievable. He's awesome. He's really, really special. The Magic Man pulls out the Magic Wand. Is this because Ian Fitzsimmons has done a turnaround? But this isn't thinks. on me. This is nothing to do with me. Rachel, our associate producer tonight, played this earlier in our pre-show meeting, and it got stuck in my head. And I've been making up random lyrics to this song. And this is what I do every morning with my wife and kids, and it drives them nuts to the point where my dogs will howl singing with me. Because I think they like my singing, and my wife and kids are like, no, they hate it. I don't know how can they prove that they're how maybe they're howling thank you because they enjoy it so much i feel like that's them applauding you that's just 
how that's their way of doing it. Think positively. I'm Turn sure it's beautiful. Around. Well, maybe they are right about the dogs. So you have turned around on what you think I have. the Chicago Bears should do with their number one pick. Mel Kuyper, he released a mock draft. It is that season. It is Mel's season, Ian Fitzsimmons. Come on. You feel it in the air, right? So Mel releases a mock draft, and that's not the only thing that has changed the mind of Ian Fitzsimmons, but let's listen to Pell Mike Kuyper Jr. of Darian Mel. He was on Get Up Today, and he explained why he has in his mock here Caleb going over Justin Fields, essentially, for the Chicago Bears. Take a listen. If it's even, you take Caleb. Unless Justin Fields is significantly better in your mind right now where he is than rolling the dice on Caleb, people say it's an unknown on Caleb. Well, it's an unknown on Justin whether he can be a franchise quarterback. So I would trade Justin Fields, try to recoup that second-round pick. You lost with the Montez Sweat trade, which was a great trade. Montez Sweat's a heck of a player. And maybe get a a fourth-round pick, two and a four, two and a three. Bottom line is trading Justin Fields right now makes the most sense. Taking Caleb Williams has a chance to be... I'm not going to say generational because I've still said it with Lawrence, and Lawrence hasn't gotten there yet, but he could be one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. That's what you're hoping for. That's why you take him number one overall. This now, we is... will see, real quick, we will see yeah. if Mel ends up in any of his mocks changing his mind. In this mock, there are no trades. He says it's too early to have any picks traded or even to begin to predict those sorts of things. So he wouldn't have the Bears trading this pick either way because he doesn't do that yet in his Mach 1.0. Nevertheless, your mind has changed as well. Now you're on board with Mel. Yeah, and, and this is one not just uh, because Mel's, Mel's mock came out today, but going back and talking to several NFL GMs, several scouts, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a Justin Fields guy. I mean, I, I love the dude, Yeah, but when you have the opportunity to reset that clock on a rookie quarterback, and as Mel said there, if it's close, right, between Caleb Williams and Justin Fields, then you got to take Caleb Williams. Now, my, my initial thought, Amber, when you and I talked about this a couple months ago, was you can get a haul for that number one overall pick because it is Caleb Williams. You could probably get three ones and three twos, and maybe even a sweetener after that for Caleb Williams and that number one overall pick. Zero doubt in my mind. Zero. Three ones and three twos. Come get, come get your generational, your quarterback for the next 10, 12, 15 years in the NFL. Well, then I thought about it. And it wasn't just, I mean, this is something I've been thinking about for, for you know, two, three weeks now. And then when, when I caught up with a lot of people at the Sugar Bowl, the college football semifinal, a lot of NFL scouts that I trust, and then also at the Natty, they really changed my mind. And when, and when Mel came out with this today, because I know Mel is also a big Justin Fields guy. And this is as not a knock at all on fields. It's just more about resetting that that clock on a rookie contract for a quarterback who has remarkable talent. And and Caleb Williams, when I was talking to Cliff Kingsbury about Caleb, the last time I had USC, and and, uh, it was against Washington when they were eliminated from the Pac-12 title game in a close loss against Washington, who obviously went on to play for a national championship. He said the biggest misnomer about Caleb Williams is that the dude is all about himself, and that could not be further from the truth. He's all about the guys around him and the guy next to him. He wants to win for everybody but himself. And he put up better numbers, Amber. I mean, his completion percentage went up this year. Touchdown to INTs went up this year. I mean, he was sensational. He had one bad game against Notre Dame. One. 
Everything else wasn't on him. That, that, that defense couldn't stop you, couldn't stop me, couldn't stop Rachel on the ones and twos, right? I mean, it, it was they were a sieve. So it had nothing to do with Caleb Williams as to why USC didn't get back to a Pac-12 title game or contend for a natty. He is a remarkable talent. He damn sure ain't ignoring leg day because you can stack books on his calves. I've told you that before. I mean, his work ethic is through the roof. So having said all of that, I have done a 180, and I would take Caleb Williams number one overall if I'm Chicago, and I'm moving Justin Fields for probably a first and a second round pick and not what you could get for Caleb Williams, which is easily, in my opinion, three ones and three twos. Agree or disagree? So the only – well, I disagree. And the only thing, though, that gives me pause on disagreeing with you is two things that you mentioned. The contract, it's always better if you can have a rookie – or quarterback on a rookie deal, and one certainly earlier in the rookie deal would help you even more, right? It would give you years of a buffer in terms of rebuilding the weapons around that team from a salary cap perspective. So that would be the one thing. Obviously, Caleb Williams coming in on a rookie deal would be a more advantageous position. Uh, The second thing that you mentioned is his legs, and I know that sounds stupid, but... What I think Jalen Hurts has taught us is one of the most effective plays in the National Football League involves your quarterback being able to squat 600 pounds. So if I am a scout, I am now spending part of my time when I am analyzing these draft prospects, looking at how strong they are. And I mean that quite literally up until the point and if the NFL ever does do anything about the tush push, because otherwise that play is going to be implemented by every offense who has the ability to do it. And I think that the reason it's so effective, because there's a lot, I get that that line and Jason Kelsey and the vets and all that stuff. I understand that, but there are a lot of very strong centers in the National Football League and strong O-lines. What the difference is, is there ain't any other quarterbacks that can squat what Jalen Hurts can squat. So I actually think that is why it's so effective for Philadelphia and why it will matter if you're always guaranteed to be able to move the ball on a fourth down if you have a really strong quarterback. So I actually think those two things matter when we're talking about Caleb Williams. Otherwise, I don't get it because just generally speaking, when you're taking even picks one through three in the NFL draft, even the ones that everyone tells us are can't miss, they still miss about half the time statistically. I watched Trevor Lawrence be the most can't miss quarterback that I remember over the last probably decade, right? And is he a miss? Is he a, like, I don't really well, I think the jury's still he, he out really on Trevor Lawrence. Get, I mean, there's a lot of guys around him that they aren't delivering. But he doesn't get the criticism because he's in Jacksonville. He certainly isn't the hit that he was supposed to be. And everybody told me that that dude was can't miss. Caleb Williams is on a much worse team in college. I know that you explain that away with the defense, but it's a little weird to have a guy coming from that team that underperformed traditionally for that school. And then he's like this huge can't miss prospect. And you're going to give up the opportunity, like you said, in your analysis to get three ones and three twos, an absolute haul. If you were to get rid of that pick and you could continue to rebuild that roster around a guy who I've already seen have some promise in the national football league. And I just don't know if the other guy does. Yeah, again, this was not an easy decision for me. and But this is just being talking to every NFL scout that I trust and several general managers that I trust. And I've done a complete 180. It wasn't easy, 
Uh, but I have done the 180. But having said everything that you just mentioned, how do you feel about Jaden Daniels going, uh, according to Mel, number two to the Washington Commanders? Uh, so if you want to go back through what Mel did here, I mean, Jaden Daniels, I have no issue with really to the Washington commanders, because frankly, I understand what he's doing here, thinking of him as the next best option. We, we're done with the Sam Howell experience, right? They're going to end up drafting a quarterback at that spot. And I'm, I'm really high on, on Jaden Daniels. I don't have a big problem with that. But he's skinny. And you just said that you want a thick quarterback in squat six hundo. I love Jaden Daniels. I, I don't I don't care if you can squat six hundred pounds or not. I think I think Jalen Hurts is an outlier. Jaden Daniels just finds ways to win games. And when you put up the numbers he did in the SEC, I'll take that guy skinny or not. Yeah, I will as well. What about Drake May going third there to the New England Patriots? I wonder who his coach is going to be in this That's scenario. A good and what we're, and what as far we're as doing OC, here. as far as his OC, yeah. yeah it's, it's, absolutely. It's OC, I mean, who his OC yeah. is going to be uh, writing the playbook uh, for Drake May and if he's going to develop better than Mac Jones in that position in New England. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, there's a new GM in Las Vegas. We get updated on all things NFL. That's coming up next here on ESPN Radio. I'm Turn sure it's beautiful. Around. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. And Kansas City, for the sixth consecutive time, is going to the AFC Championship. Final score, Kansas City 27, Buffalo 24. The Chiefs are going to Baltimore to play for the Lamar Hunt Trophy. I'm so proud of our guys and the job that they did. You know, the sidelines were so positive, which I, I thought was important. And our guys just kept their composure through the highs and the lows of the game. I obviously love playing Arrowhead, but it is cool to go on the road in the playoff game and uh, be able to come out to win. It was a down year for Kansas City, wasn't it? Wasn't it, Ian? I think it was supposed to be be. a down year for Kansas City. And here we are once again. All right, James, back away from the microphone, James Steele. We don't need you. Down year. We're back in the (laughs) AFC title game. Down year. Clock integrity, James Steele. Come on. Move it on. Here we go. Come (laughs) on now. Let's keep it professional here on Amber and Ian, presented by Progressive Insurance. Find him at Ian Fitz ESPN. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. Let's bring in somebody more rational than our producer, James Steele. Andrew Hawkins, ESPN NFL analyst joining us here. And Hawk, uh, thanks as always for your time. It was a down year though right for the Chiefs and then here we are ASC title game once again uh, did we fall for the rope a dope betting against Mahomes and Reed to be right back where they always are we might have fell for the rope a dope a little bit the rope a dope I think um you know Mahomes actually he's been Mahomes the stats aren't what they typically see but that's not any doing of his own they have a really 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 inexperienced receiving core who has stepped up bit in the last two weeks and I think that's been the difference for them because um, Mahomes is still Mahomes. It was an advantageous matchup for Kelsey against the Buffalo Bills, and he feasted. Their work is definitely going to be cut out for him next week, but anytime you have the best quarterback on planet Earth, 
you got a chance, and that's what you're seeing with the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, so, so go deeper there because, you know, five, six weeks ago it was right, the Chiefs are done, they, they can't catch a pass, they couldn't catch a cold, right? I mean, you, you go on down the list, but defensively they were there with Spags. I mean, Steve Spagnola mm-hmm. did a masterful job. The running game was there. The O-line was, was there. It was just the receivers weren't, right? So explain to us in layman's terms, having played the game as long as you did, what you saw from the Chiefs in the last month, month and a half that truly changed? I think it's a number of things. And I don't know if it's like change, change. I think they've started to lean in different ways for their production, right? Rasheed Rice is a rookie. He's played better than you typically see at a rookie wide receiver. He's, no. he's been leaned on by Patrick Mahomes more than you see Patrick Mahomes lean on a rookie. And I think there was one point in the season where he wasn't getting – a ton of looks. He wasn't getting a ton of targets. Um, and they were using him in a very specific way that they kind of just turned the page and said, okay, you know, this guy is making more plays than everybody else we have. We have to start doing more with him. And you saw him start to play more on the outside as well as in the slot. Um, and he became that kind of 1B to Travis Kelsey for Patrick Mahomes. In their first playoff game, it was like 80% of their offense went through Pacheco, who came on really strong, Rasheed Rice, and Travis Kelsey. And now you're seeing a more role-induced offense, meaning MVS is not being asked to do the same thing he was at the beginning of the season. Justin Watson is not being asked to do the same thing he was at the beginning of the season when they were trying to figure it out. Obviously, Sky Moore is out, Darius Tony, and, and, and so on and so forth. And so what MVS had last week was, okay, we did 80% of our offense through three guys in the wild card round. They're going to try to take them away. We need you to make one or two plays down the field to force offenses to continue to play us on it. And that's what he did, and that's what made the difference. Andrew Hawkins joining us here on Amber and Ian. The criticism to me, Hawk, around Brock Purdy has been strange because he's easily one of the best stories in the NFL, remains to be. He should be fun. Everybody should love him. Everybody should be behind him. And boy, are the voices loud even when he wins games. What do you make of the criticism coming off their divisional win? I mean, I think, you know, he's, he's, he's running a team right now that is the number one seed in the conference, and they're now one of four teams left. And people are trying to, I feel like, qualify why he shouldn't or shouldn't be where he is in his career. The reality is I don't care what kind of system you have. It's hard to make plays in the NFL. It doesn't matter who your coach is. Yes, Shanahan has the best system. Yes, we've seen a number of people succeed in his system and play better. I'll be the first to admit that as someone who played and had his best year in that exact same system. But that being said, I mean, he's running this offense as good as, if not better, than Matt Ryan, who was a borderline Hall of Famer, than Jimmy Garoppolo, who was the person that Belichick was trying to hand the keys over to from Tom Brady and was a second-round pick, um, and so on and so forth. And so I, I think just a lot of it is just people not wanting to believe their eyes. It doesn't look the same as Josh Allen as the way he does it. It doesn't look the same as Patrick Mahomes. It doesn't look the same as Lamar Jackson, but nonetheless, it is incredibly impressive and even more impressive as someone who knows Shanahan and played in that system for them to have all the confidence they have to turn this offense over to Brock Purdy. 
I'm with you. I mean, I don't, I don't care if he's drafted last, a UDFA, or first overall. The dude's making plays, and, and and he's got his team again back-to-back years in the NFC Championship game. On the other side, yeah, but Purdy was drafted dead last. Number one overall a few years prior is Jared Goff, and here he is, a reclamation who has been be- just absolutely sensational. And his personality and his head coach, Hawk, to me, are just they're, they're in step right now. What would it be like as a wide receiver if you're Amon Ross St. Brown, right, or, or anybody else, you know, Sam Laporte at tight end, anybody on that Lions team with Jared Goff right now and that head coach who, forget biting kneecaps, man, I'd gnaw a bicep for that dude. What, what would it be like right now playing for the Detroit Lions who are now in an NFC title game? I mean, what you want out of a head coach is, especially if you have a good one, you want their team to embody what that coach stands for. And I think the best teams do that. I think when Pittsburgh is at its best, they have the mentality that Tomlin does. If you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers late in that season, they seemed like they were embodying the personality of their head coach. You look at John Harbaugh, I've always felt like his team does a really good job embodying how he approaches the game. They're great teammates. It's a great organization in the way they run it. Dan Campbell has come in there. He's changed the philosophy. He's changed the mindset. Um, and he's changed the tenacity of not only the team, the entire organization. And so everybody feels like within the Detroit organization that they're embodying that personality. They're trying to take some piece of it. And they're trying to have that same outlook. And so Jared Goff, who, yes, he's first overall pick, but he feels like an underdog. He was yep. a guy that was cast away and said that he couldn't do what he's doing with a more talented roster and team than he is now with the Detroit Lions. And the Detroit Lions are incredibly talented, don't get me wrong, but it is really cool to see him kind of like a, a throwaway piece of that trade to be the one to come out on top. That embodies that organization. It embodies that city. It embodies Dan Campbell's story because none of us were high on Dan Campbell after we've seen some of those early press conferences. But he has his team fighting. He has his team playing really, really good football. And he has his team believing under any circumstances, which is very special. Yeah, he's good for more than just sound bites. Uh, we have learned, certainly, with the job that he's done there in Detroit over the last couple of years. Andrew Hawkins joining us here on Amber and Ian. Nick Sirianni, speaking of head coaches, he's going to remain the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. It's weird, Hawk, that we're getting these we're staying with the guy head coaching announcements like we got in Dallas as well. The difference with Philly, though, is they're not staying with any of the other guys. Big changes there to that staff. The DC's out. The OC's out. How do you feel about a head coach being in the position and them retaining him but getting rid of all of his coordinators? I think it had to happen. I think uh, you had to have some way to explain away what happened late in this year's season for the Philadelphia Eagles a team that has a really, really talented roster. I wasn't on board with them letting go of Sirianni because he had a really bad back stretch of the season. They started 10-1. It never felt great. We'll all be honest about that. Before a coach would start 10-1, after a year he was in the Super Bowl, that, that didn't feel right for them to move on. And so with that, it's a, there has to be some reason. Like, this is a symptom. You know, wh- what is the diagnosis? And for them, it was, okay, we got to change coordinators. And if that's the case, and that's what he benefited from in year one where those coordinators went on to become head coaches. You give him an opportunity to try to make rectify things again, but you don't want to lose this window. Um, so I think it was the right move on both fronts. I think it was the right move to part ways with the coordinator, and I think it was the right move for the Eagles to retain him um, and give him another crack at it. Hawks, stay in the NFC East. How would you handle this if you were Dak Prescott? 
where C.D. Lamb's mom says, you ain't it. Quote, Dak isn't it. Capital letters, exclamation points on a Facebook post. Dak's own brother, Tad Prescott, says, if I could get Dak out of Dallas, I would. And then Micah Parsons' brother says, Dak should take 40 mil or pack your bags. They are not, all these family folk are not helping, man. How would you handle that if you were Dak Prescott? Um, <clears throat> that could be a question. I think more than anything, and it's tough not to let these things seep in, into the locker room, into your camaraderie with your team, or even into your own psyche and mindset. Um, but I do feel like we have to probably be better at disconnecting the family from the player sentiment. I think the assumption is if a family member is saying that they're getting it from the player, and as a former player, I can promise you, that is not the case. Um, I'll equate it to this. You guys are in media. Um, we all have family that think we have really cool jobs, and we do. It's a blessing to be um, sports entertainers in the media landscape. But if they're saying, like, hey, man, like, you know, your, your, show is, your show is awesome. They need to put this on prime time. And you might not always have the ability to explain to them why our shows can't be on the prime time of NBC or HBO or why we don't all get Netflix specials or whatever that is, but they have their own opinions because they love us and, you know, they, they have their own view of how things should go. In the social media world, you can't prevent them from getting those opinions out there. And I, in my own experience, I've had families that have been critical of everybody that I've played with um, that didn't put me in the position to be the best receiver of all time in NFL history. And I don't have time to explain to them why that <laughs> can't be the case. It wasn't the case. And it's not everybody else's fault. I know you love me, but that's it. You know, and, and so I think if I'm Dak Prescott, I'm considering all those factors and knowing in his own family, I'm sure he's dealt with it because every player has. Um, but for all the players, I think it's worth conversations with your own family members. And, you know, the last thing you want is to be a distraction for the people that you love, and especially when it's in the public eye. And that's the conversation I would have with my family. I'm like, hey, the last thing I want to do is deal with dynamics um, that I didn't create that make it even harder for me to do my job and maximize my opportunity as a professional. Touchy subject. Uh, very personal, Ooh. I would imagine. Emotions running high. ESPN NFL analyst Andrew Hawkins. Thanks, Hawk. Thanks, guys. The greatest coach in NFL history is still available, at least for now. We'll whip around the NFL coaching carousel. That's next here on ESPN Radio. Bet till your hands bleed. We are 48-25-2 against the number. And we're going college hoop tonight. Altitude's going to be an issue for the Houston Cougars. Give me BYU plus two and a half on ESPN bet. Buy it up to three. Give me BYU. Those Cougars over Houston and those Cougs right now. Bet to your hands bleed. Take me to Provo. 
Bill Belichick made it official he's leaving after 24 seasons as Patriots coach. If you got to rebuild your team, I don't think Belichick is your guy. Bill wants to win now. I look at two places that make the most sense. One of the charges because you got Justin Herbert. The other place that would intrigue me, some would be Atlanta. We have no idea what's coming. I think a playoff team come Tuesday is going to be looking to make a change. And I can see Bill absolutely ending up in Dallas. There are five jobs still open in this coaching carousel. If we consider the Tennessee Titans and Brian Callahan as being official, then there are five jobs open right now. Will there be others that end up being open? Still not outside the realm of possibility. Maybe in the next 24 hours, some of those five will be closed. So let's kind of do a little whip around here, Ian, to get to some of the big storylines. Jim Harbaugh, there are reports now that we are apparently close to Harbaugh inking a deal with the Los Angeles Chargers. It does appear with all the reports, all the rumors out there that Harbaugh is headed to the NFL and it looks like Chargers would probably be the place. Said this at the national championship, said it afterward, and I'll say it again now. The man loves Justin Herbert. And he's accomplished everything that he possibly dreamed that he could, delivering the first outright national championship to Michigan since 1948. The NCAA is camped out at the downtown Marriott, Hilton, whichever hotel is your preference, whichever one you have the most points in, right? He's gone. Said it then, said it afterward, and I'm saying it again. And and the number one destination was the Chargers because of Mm -hmm. Justin Herbert. This I, I do believe, Amber, this is going to happen. He's had a deal from Michigan on the table for months. He's been dragging his feet, although doing yep. some negotiating about what that deal might have to include. All indications at this point are Jim Harbaugh is headed out of Michigan to the next level there in the NFL, probably taking his Michigan, D.C., Jesse Minter and his son, Jay, with him, by the way, are the reports that are circling around. Dan Graziano, ESPN's NFL insider, was on Carlin versus Joe earlier with the latest. It seems like Harbaugh and the Chargers have kind of had their eyes on each other for a while, and, you know, it, it may just be about working out the deal. Now, that doesn't mean ultimately it gets worked out, right? If, if the money's not right, if the situation's not right, if the personnel around him. So um, I think everybody's, you know, keeping their options open. There's still, as I understand it, uh, an offer on the table from Michigan for Harbaugh to stay. So uh, not at the finish line yet, but I think the Chargers seem like they want to wrap this up at some point this week whether it's with Harbaugh or somebody else, and I would, I would probably say he's the, the favorite at this point. I'm going to owe that ownership group uh, an apology if they pay Jim Harbaugh level money there in Los Angeles, and I'll be really excited to see what he does with that quarterback out there with the Chargers. Let's move on to the greatest coach of all time in Bill Belichick. He has interviewed with the Falcons, we know, a couple times. It appears that it's kind of just the Falcons that he's been in talks with, but now there's some reports out there, Ian, that although it seemed like a foregone conclusion last week, things have cooled between him and Atlanta here over the last few days We know Atlanta has interviewed other candidates. Including Jim Harbaugh, not once but twice. Belichick, not once but twice. Including one on a big-ass yacht owned by Arthur Blank. Here's Adam Schefter on the latest involving Belichick and the Falcons. We seem more enthused than the teams have so far because Uh the only team that he's spoken to so far, to my knowledge, is the Falcons. And so, well, we wondered about Dallas. We wondered about Philly. We wondered about Buffalo. You could do that exercise for a lot of teams because he is the greatest coach of all time. He belongs somewhere. So it's a little strange. Like when Tom Brady was a free agent quarterback, 
There might have been more, but I believe there were only two teams, two of 32, the Chargers in Tampa. That was it. Like, why would more teams not have been interested? And I think, to me, it's almost repeating itself with Bill as a head coach here. Why would there not be more teams that are interested in Bill Belichick? It's just odd to me. And stupid. <laughs> I mean, the Bill Belichick thing I kind of get because also of his age factor. And I guess that's what we were doing with the Tom Brady thing as well. But in hindsight, how stupid was it that only two teams were interested in Tom Brady's services? And by the way, the one that got him won a Super Bowl. And then you go now to the Carolina Panthers. Stay in the NFC South, Amber. We haven't heard a peep out of anything involving the Panthers outside of Ben Johnson going back to last year. Was that close to getting that gig? The offensive coordinator for Detroit. Now in the NFC title game, Brian Callahan was also rumored to be going. Now it looks like he's going to be the next head coach of the Tennessee Titans. Nobody has heard a peep as to who's going to replace Frank Reich as a head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Well, I think they needed to get their leadership there in place. They're trying to get that front office in place as they hired Dan Morgan there as their new GM. And I'm Love guessing that, that then we'll start hearing more in terms of their head coaching search. The Panthers were the first to enter this coaching carousel by firing Frank Reich on November 27th, by the way. So it has been some time, and you are right. That one has been quiet, where some of these other destinations have not been so quiet. The Washington Commanders, they're a team as well that should be in this conversation. I don't hear a lot about what's happening there in Washington. They're a team that a lot of people theorized would be in on Bill Belichick. Yeah, but you know what? He wants the quarterback, so... Do you reset with a rookie, or do you are you sticking with Sam Howell? This is another one that's interesting because their former head coach, Ron Rivera, is now in- interviewing with Philadelphia to be their new defensive coordinator. And then Nick Sirianni has fired both you know Brian Johnson, his OC, and his DC, and the senior defensive analyst in Matt Patricia. So the commanders also all quiet on that front, along with the Seattle Seahawks. We heard Mike Vrabel being mentioned out there. We've heard Dan Quinn being mentioned out there, but there hasn't been a lot of buzz surrounding the Seahawks. And I think, Amber, this is the way the NFL wants it right now coming into championship weekend. It does feel like things surrounding Dan Quinn are heating up, though, in terms of him leaving for one of these head coaching jobs. He has now reportedly interviewed for a couple different head coaching jobs around the National Football League. It feels like he's on his way out of Dallas and that this might be the year that he ends up taking one of those jobs. But there are a lot of jobs still remaining. Now, of course, don't forget, too, part of this, it feels slow because they changed the rule and you can't interview the active coaches the same way that you used to be able to Uh, coming up next year on Amber and Ian, the Milwaukee bucks are 30 and 13, but they just fired their head coach.